time to find balance and be refreshed here on Every Heart, Every Woman. Every Heart, Every Woman. Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Every Heart, Every Woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview for today, we're going to set the tone like we always do with some music, some worship music, in fact. This is Jesus Brought Grace. It is from my CD entitled True Worship. Sit back and enjoy. Lord, I'm thanking you for now. I'm here to tell 
Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Our show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find out all of the information and everything you ever want to know about Love Ministries. Just go to their website, loveministriesbuilds.org. You can also go to my website is carlanivens.com. Carla is spelled with a K. Nivens is N-I-V-E-N-S. Well, we are so excited to jump into our interview for today. We are welcoming for the first time Kendra Lilly. Kendra is a domestic violence survivor. She retired from her career in cosmetology and started a nonprofit organization called RATH. RATH helps other survivors. Um, it stands for Women Rising Against the Hurt, and it aims to help victims become survivors by ushering them into a constructive lifestyle change that will create a lasting impact and set the course for the rest of their lives. And Kendra is also a native of Dallas, a mother of three, and a wife. Well, Kendra, we are so excited to have you for the first time on our show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, absolutely. Well, Kendra, um, I'll, I'll have to tell you, every time we have someone on for the first time, we love at Every Heart, Every Woman Radio to hear the backstory. We love to hear your testimony. And that kind of gets us into uh, knowing who you really are. So we would love for you to share with uh, start with sharing your testimony. Absolutely. Um, so I'll first start with uh, to make a long story short because I could go on. <laughs> um, as a um, as a teenager, I, I suffered from a lot of at home traumas. Um, my mom was somewhat what today by today's standard would be abusive. Um, my father was absentee. He was, uh, by the time I was a, a teenager, he was a recovering uh, addict, but um, he was pretty much gone, uh, absent from my life for quite a few years. Um, so of course that made me turn to other people to find that love and fill that void that was missing. Um, I actually left home at 16. So when I left home at 16, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. But fast forward to um, my 19th year, um, my um, I, I met my first husband. He and I were together for about four years, four and a half years before I was able to end that situation. And that's where I uh, suffered my domestic violence experience. Um, I was 19, green, didn't know anything, um, had daddy issues, mommy issues. And of course, uh, predators are going to take advantage of that. And I'm not even sure. We were both very young. I'm not even sure if he knew he was a predator, but um, he was definitely narcissistic. He was controlling um, and abusive. Uh, he was abusive in in every aspect of the word. He controlled all of the money. He was physically abusive. He was mentally and verbally abusive. He broke me down in every way imaginable where I became suicidal a lot. Um, by the time I was ready to leave, I had two boys and I just knew that I needed to 
show them a better life, give them an, an opportunity to know that this is not the way you're supposed to treat women. And these, this is not the type of men you need to be. So it took me about a year to um, what I would say escape my situation, because when I say controlling, he, he was extremely controlling. I didn't have any control over the finances. So um, I didn't work for a while. Um, he would control the car, the keys to the house. Like sometimes I couldn't leave the house. Um, but surprisingly enough, it wasn't until after I left the situation that my uh, the domestic violence aspect got extremely worse. Um, that's one thing, that's one reason why I opted to start the RAS Foundation because one thing people don't understand is before you leave your domestic violence situation, you need to have a plan in place. And I just kind of went off of, of survivor mode when I planned. It took me a year. I got a separate bank account. I started saving the little bit of money that I had. And when I did finally leave, um, it didn't matter to me if we slept on the floor or on an air mattress or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, I was able to turn the keys to my own place with a peace of mind, knowing that I would not be uh, in an abusive relationship anymore. And my kids and I would have a peace of mind. So mm-hmm. um, if, if I had access to a foundation like the Rad Foundation, I definitely would have done things a lot different. Because like I said, once I left... Um, not only did the, the the abuse continue, but the stalking started, the harassment started. Um, he would follow me to friends' houses and, you know, to work. And he would, I mean, it was, I could go on and on about some of the things that I went through. But putting the RAS Foundation in place, to me, enables women to be able to have a go-to when they definitely are serious about getting out of their domestic situation. Mm-hmm. And so that, I I mean, I could just imagine that um, your mind probably had so many different things running through it. How, I guess my first question, I have so many, but my first question (laughs) is what, what motivated you to continue to stay out of that situation? Because it sounds to me like it was a situation that did not want to let you go. Correct. So why did you keep moving forward? My children. Oh, my God. My boys were my rock. When I say I was suicidal, it was my boys, my children that gave me the strength to keep going. They were innocent. They didn't know anything about what was going on. Um, my oldest son was not from that marriage. He was from a high school sweetheart. But um, he was the one that was old enough to see what mommy was going through. He was old enough to see something's not right. You know, all of the arguing and the fighting. And um, I just, I knew for my children, I needed to create a better atmosphere, set a better example. Um, In my mind, chivalry is not dead. I wanted to raise my children to be gentlemen, um, to know that uh, this is there's a certain way you treat a woman and what you're witnessing is just not it. He would literally, after we got through all the legalities of the situation, uh, as far as divorce and everything was concerned, um, he would, I was forced to give him visitation, of course, but my children would come back home and 
say things like, mommy, we saw you this weekend. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was stalking me with my children to mm. by his side. Like they were literally, he had my boys with him peeking through my, my blinds and my windows. Mm. And I was just like, this, this has got to stop. Like, I know this is not the life that I want for my boys. And I, I don't want to be responsible for raising the next generation of abusers. You know, somebody has to break that generational curse. Mm-hmm. So where did you get your, uh, your vision for your future from? I can imagine that it's really difficult in a situation to say, yes, I know that this isn't right um, and I'm going to work towards something else. How did you get yourself to see this future? Did you have other people in your life where you could actually see, okay, this is an example of a relationship or a marriage that is, is healthy? No, I did not actually. Um, my mother is a, a survivor herself. Okay. And she actually told us a lot of her stories growing up. So um, my mom struggled for years, even though, you know, like I said, she may have been what we call today an abusive mother. Um, I still had the utmost respect for my mom. She was a struggling single mom. She did everything possible to make sure her girls were taken care of. So even though I don't always agree with her methods, we never wanted for anything. And she instilled, if not anything, surviving. Like she instilled being a survivor in us, be it, you know, working financially. Uh, she she didn't always set the best example as far as, you know, college and the average outlook on life when it comes to uh, building a future. But she definitely instilled in us surviving. And, and I held on to that. So although I never had the example of what marriage looked like or, uh, or I'm sorry, what a good marriage looked like or how to be able to map out a, a future for yourself, I give all credits or honor or glory to my church family. Um, at the age of 11, 12 years old, my mom wasn't really a churchgoer, but I just had such a thirst and such a hunger for church, for God, to have that relationship with God. And so um, there were a lot of the church mothers in, in church that I looked to, and I just got a lot of great wisdom and, and knowledge from them. And I literally lived in the church. Like when the doors were open, I was there. Um, mm-hmm. I was in the choir. I was in some of the ministries. I went to every Bible study, every pastoral teaching, like that was my life. And at the end of the day, that became my foundation. And so I knew that God wanted better for me. And I was going to get it by any means. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Now, did you, were you able to talk to other people about what you were going through? Were you a sharer during that time or you were? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I, I was not the one that hid in the shadows. Right. So I I talked to my mom. I talked to my dad. I talked to my sisters, but uh, I'm sorry, my sister, but I did not find refuge with them, if that makes sense. Um, I I just I knew what I was going through was wrong, but because they saw security while I was with him, they actually encouraged me to stay um, and try to work it out. That was not 
a big thing for me. I was like, I would rather sleep under a bridge or in my car than sustain this abuse and that of my children. Because when you have children that are going through it, they are suffering from the emotional and mental abuse as well, Mm -hmm. just by watching their mother that they love be abused by their father. Mm -hmm. Because even though that was not my my oldest son's biological father, that was the only father he knew. Because when his biological father was killed, he was only he was just under two. So my uh, first husband was the only father he knew, but he knew that this was not right. And I love my mom and I don't want her going through this. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I um, found a job at a salon and um, they rallied around me. I would talk to them and kind of tell them some of the things that I was going through. And that is where I found the family that rallied around me and really became my support system. And that year that it took me to get out of the situation, that some of them were some of the ones that helped me step by step and taught me some of the things that I just would have never known. You know, go, mm-hmm. you need a separate bank account. I'll take you. Go to the credit union. I'll go with you. You know, um, he would taunt me because I didn't have a car. So a friend of mine helped me go get my car through my bank. You know, I, these are things I did not know mm-hmm. because I was not taught, you know, growing up and then leaving the house at 16, um, you surely don't know, you know, you learn, you learn about life through trial and error. So mm-hmm. a lot of things I, I, I learned through trial and error. And then of course, like I said, a lot of people that I knew, they just kind of helped me step by step and walk me through it all. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you about cosmetology. My, is my daughter, she just graduated from high school. She's um, a freshman now in college and she got her, um, her nail technician license. And okay. so, yeah, she, she does people's nails. And so I know from her experience in, in doing this, um, her senior year, there's a lot of time to share and yes. to talk when, when you're getting your hair done or when you're getting your nails done. And it, and we're, my husband and I, we're always talking to her about, you know, that is really your ministry time. You really have a captive audience, you know, for an hour or so there. And Absolutely. so I can imagine that in, in, with you being in, in the field of cosmetology, that you had a lot of time to talk to people and you had a lot of time for people to talk to you and to pour into you. So did, did that, that career and that time, did that play any part in you starting a nonprofit organization? Oh, absolutely. That was the actual motor behind it all. Like my career was my motivation. Um, I, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said ministry, because when you are in the cosmetology industry and you're good at what you do, you're passionate about your clients and you build a relationship with them, it undoubtedly becomes your ministry. Um, so I had to often pray before I went into the salon because not only did I have my own struggles at home, um, and this was after my, my first marriage, I actually got remarried, um, and I jumped out of a domestic violence situation into, uh, infidelity situation. So, um, I, I jumped from one struggle to another, but with all of the struggles that I had going on at home, I had to leave it at the door. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to allow them to come in and pour 
all over me. So I I had to learn how to be their mother, their sister, their auntie, their uh, pastor, their whatever they needed me to be. Um, mm-hmm. I had to learn how to do that. I often had mothers and young women come to me with their stories and some of the struggles they were going through at home. And I I would find the not only the the words but the motivation to make sure I'm sending them away with something. Not only am I making you look good, but I want to make you feel good as well. So I had so many clients come back to me and say, oh thank you so much for saving my relationship with my son or thank you for saving, helping me save my relationship with my husband or my mother or whatever. Cause by that time I had been through so much in my little young life. And I remember a mother at church telling me, be careful what you pray for. Cause I used to always tell her, you are so wise. I want what you have. And she was like, Oh baby, be careful what you pray for. <laughs> and that stuck with me forever because you have to go through so much in order to get that wisdom and that knowledge, all of the long suffering that you have to endure before you can get that. So by the time I had uh, opened my first salon, I, I had so much knowledge and so much wisdom and there wasn't a lot I hadn't been through. So I was able to share my stories and they would literally hang on every word. They would, oh my God, you've been through so much. You're so young, but you're so wise. And I'm like, yeah, so I can come to you with my testimony and my stories and tell you what I would have done differently had I known then what I know now. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Um, I would have young girls sit in my chair, young girls, 15, 16 years old. I don't know them, never met them, but they would, some of them would tell me they're being sexually assaulted at home. Some of them will tell me they're being abused at home. So these are things you have to take home with you and just kind of cry it out and pray through it all. But that in itself is what really kind of motivated me, motivated me to start the Rad Foundation because God put that in my spirit over 10 years ago. But I never did anything with it because I was going through my own struggles. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't able to put my, my own struggles to the side and really start trying to fend for other people, it lay dormant for over that, that amount of time. But it wasn't until maybe a year or so ago, I started telling my story over and over again. And a really good friend of mine said, you need to do something with that because there are so many people you can help. And she was like, "You, I have the name for it and everything because God put it in my spirit. Women rising against the hurt. Women rising against the hurt. That's what that meant to me. So the RAF Foundation was born. I didn't know the first thing about a nonprofit organization. And she said, no, you don't need to start hat. Because I was like, oh, yeah, we can have meetings. And she said, no, ma'am, you need to put this on a larger platform. You need to start a nonprofit organization because this needs to be across the country. You need to be able mm-hmm. to reach everyone you can and, and let them know your story and, and try to make sure you're providing that aid that they need. And that's how the Rad Foundation was born. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that you, um, I can imagine your mind kind of mapping this out because yeah. be- because you lived it, you know, yeah. exactly. Like I know what they need, A, B, and C, D, need, you know, yes. you know what women need and, 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 and the things that they'll need to, to put in place. Um, I know it's coming time for us to take a, a break, but there are so many questions that, that I have. Uh, one of them is what, as a result 
of what you live through kind of what do you teach your boys? Because I know some of our listeners are thinking, I want I want to make sure that my kids, you know, don't repeat things as, as well that, that I've lived through. So let's take a break and we'll be right back in just a minute. Every Heart, Every Woman, the show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Now let's get back to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host of the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us today. And we have um, just heard an amazing testimony from Miss Kendra Lilly. She is a domestic violence survivor. She retired from her career in cosmetology and started a nonprofit organization called RATH that stands for Women Rising Against the Hurt. So Kendra, thank you so much, first of all, for your time and for um, just sharing your your testimony with us about your life and about how you came to to start Wrath. And when before we left for the break, I thought, you know, our, our listeners that are that are tuning in right now, probably one of the burning questions is after you have lived through domestic violence and you are now a domestic violence survivor and you've had children in the home with you, what what can we teach our children to make sure that things aren't perpetuated um, as they grow up and start relationships? One thing that I always preach, always, that love does not hurt. Um, I, I said I was going to get a shirt made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> love does not hurt. I need that drilled into the brain of every man and woman, every young girl, every young man, because um, that that is a mantra that I, I want to have across the board. Um, if anything that is occurring in your relationship or in your home, and, and this applies to relationships with your parents, you know, with your friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, it, it all applies uh, because women can be abusers too. Actually, we see the we're starting to see those numbers rise. Mm-hmm. But love does not hurt, so do not accept any um, abuse of of any level. Um, and what I have taught my boys is, if you claim you love someone, make sure you love them through all the good and all the bad. Um, because love does not hurt anything that you are inflicting on them and it hurts to me that's not love so you need to watch everything that you're doing everything that you're saying be strategic in how you are loving someone because you can hurt them and scar them for life so you have and because of uh my my baby boy he has the genes of my ex-husband right so Mm -hmm. i had to really really pour into him because even though my oldest son the, the older he got, the more he decided and after he found out that that was not his biological father, he actually opted to not visit with him anymore because he had such a disdain for him because of what he remembered us going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my baby boy, he still went through the, you know, the visiting and because it was, it was it's a generational thing. 
on his side of the family, um, he had brothers that were abusers. You know, he, he had uncles that were abusers. And so my son was privy to all of this. You know, he witnessed all of that. So I really had to be careful and to me, just kind of overcompensate when it came to pouring into him the importance of, of loving someone and not hurting them. Uh, you have to watch how you're talking to them. You have to watch, you know, your your anger issues. You know, I actually uh, suggested counseling uh, with, with that side of the family because anger issues to me can go as deep as um, mental issues. You know, so if it's a generational thing, I definitely encourage counseling. But uh, we have to definitely pour into our children the importance of of loving someone and, and actually defining what love is. So they will have a clear and uncut definition of what love is and how to actually love someone that you claim you love. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And, you know, I I I think, you know, we all need to be encouraged that things that you see that you really want to hand over to the Lord that you don't want your children to pick up. um, It's possible to lead them in that way. Like it truly is possible. And I, I remember when our daughter was young, I know I'm talking about her a lot today, but when she was young, she, and she is a leader, but when she was like really little, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, she kind of had this, takeover spirit kind of thing where it was, you know, her way or nobody else's way, you know? And while we recognize, okay, she is a future leader, but we got to hone some things to make sure that some, uh, maybe some of the bad habits that, uh, you know, are from older generations didn't make it into, you know, and into her personality from here on out. And so I remember one time at um, my son's birthday party, she had taken over everything and it turned the birthday party around to fit her needs. And it wasn't her birthday party. And we told her, you know, okay, this isn't your birthday party. This is your brother's. He's taking the lead on this one. If you can't follow his lead, then you may, you know, go to your room and, you know, until you could. And so that helped her to say, okay, everything doesn't have to be about me. I don't have to turn every situation around to what I need it to be. She was able to sit down and, 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 you know, just enjoy the party as a party goer. And I remember that um, just a couple of weeks ago, she said, uh, she told my husband and I, you know, I met all of these different people at college in different situations. And I thought, I really think everybody would benefit from all meeting each other. So she said, I brought everybody together so that, you know, different people will get to make these relationships. And we told her, you know, that's, that's what a leader does. A leader sees, a leader serves, a leader puts other people first. You don't have to be the glue between all of these groups. You know, you can get the groups together. So I I feel like, I feel like people, I feel like we forget that God is a restorer. 
And mm-hmm. I feel like we forget that um, it really is possible to change things around with, with our children. We can teach them and we can love them and we can model for them, you know, the right way. We can see gifts in their personality and help them hone them so that as they get older, they're able to use their gifts um, easily and it, it kind of, it flows from them. So I, I never want to, I never want to see someone in the situation thinking, I had to throw my hands up because I lived through it and I dealt with it, you know, that my kids just have to live through it and deal with it. No, we can we can set them up for for a different future. So I love your answer um, for that, Kendra. And I also want to ask you about forgiveness, because so many times we are living less than lives because we don't forgive ourselves. And I believe that the Lord has forgiven us and and set us up to to um, go to the next level, but we may not make it out of situations. We may not take those steps that we need because we think I'm not worthy. And, you know, the situation happened because of me. It was my decisions. You know, all of these things. How, how what do you say to someone who hasn't forgiven themselves yet? And that's the reason why they aren't rising up against the hurt. Um. You have to find an outlet, a go-to, something that's going to strengthen strengthen you. Um, because for me, I I lived in what I would call such a such a just a, just a bad place. Um, I'm struggling with finding the words for it, but I, I existed in such a, a place of struggle. Uh, because it wasn't necessarily myself that I didn't forgive. It was um, the people that I felt victimized me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had just such resentment, you know, built up in, in my, my mind, my spirit, my, I just, I, I had a spirit of hatred actually toward not only my ex-husband, but for my mom, my dad, my sister, mm-hmm. everyone I felt that was not that support system for me. You know, I vowed to do different with my own children. So I just, everything they did, I did the opposite of, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that, um, church having, you know, that spiritual foundation is absolutely important because not only was it my go-to as a child, it was my go-to as an adult. So I, I took my children and they were always involved in some type of ministry because I felt like that was important to have that foundation, um, you know, to always have something to go to have that outlet. So, you know, they were in the mime and the dance and, you know, so that kind of opened them up to being in ministry and they loved it. You know, they, we traveled with our church family uh, with, with the mime and the dance ministry because they were amazing. Um, so they, they got used to being in front of people. They led prayers. You know, they they got in leadership roles and they loved the feeling of it. They they had that anointing over their lives and, and they were sharing that with some of their friends. And I was so proud. But one thing to me that is absolutely important is um, any... The other parents, along with yourself, you have to be on one accord because one one area I struggled in with my ex-husband and raising our children was um, we were always being pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to do things one way. I wanted to do things another way. The kids saw that and they were like, oh, well, I can get this over here and that over there, you know, mm-hmm. so. 
it's absolutely important that you stay on one accord when raising your children and don't allow your kids to do that. Don't give them that ammunition. Just just it's, it's important to stay on on the same page across the board. If you disagree, don't don't do it in front of the kids. I, I tell my husband now. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, just nod and wave, and then we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, all of that in front of the kids, they use that. Kids are smart these days. Like, I don't know where they come from. These kids in Tony, <laughs> they're different. They're cut from a different cloth. So mm-hmm. they, they're smart, and they know how to, you know, kind of use certain things to their advantages. So it's extremely important to be on the same page when you're raising your kids. Mm-hmm. That's 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 great advice. That is that is great advice. Kids under any in in any situation will <laughs> will do that. Yeah, I had a friend tell me the other day. He said, "I think my children think that me and my wife don't talk, and <laughs> that they can just go back and forth, you know, and get." whatever they want. I said, yeah, I guess, you know, those kids, they're, they're looking for, they're looking for an inch, you know, if you can give them, if they can find an inch, they'll take it. So, um, Kendra, let's talk about RATH and the, actually the, the, the programs and, and the systems that you have set up for women. What, what's kind of the nuts, the nuts and bolts of RATH? So currently we are in our infancy stages. Um, we started, I started RAF in 2019, but I did not, uh, it didn't evolve into a nonprofit organization until 2020, uh, February of this year. Mm-hmm. So initially what we, what we do, let's say we have a, a young lady reach out to our foundation. She calls us, she emails us or whatever. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is vet her, um, ask her a couple of confidential questions. We want to know your needs. Um, What's the best way we can help you? What are your end goals? What are you trying to do? So uh, once we get that established, if your needs are housing or, you know, job placement or anything like that, we have resources in place where where, um, we can actually do that. We partner with local hotels and motels to get you the temporary housing. We actually also have, uh, we've partnered with a lot of local residents to have, we built what we call a somewhat of an underground railroad um, to get the temporary um, transitional housing. We have a lot of people that partner with us if they have like an extra room or, um, you know, whatever, however they can help on the residence side, we'll put a young lady up that way. Or like I said, we'll put them in a hotel, which is, of course is a temporary fix. But our end goal is to make sure we have a permanent transitional residence for that individual. And then we get them started on whatever path we plan for them, a safety plan. Um, if it means you need um, documents for your kids or for yourself. We give you a mailing address to use. Um, if you need job placement, we partner with several people that do that. Um, our, our end goal is to have our own facility where we'll be able to offer all of that under one roof. But of course, because we are in our inaugural year, um, we don't have the funding for that. So that is why we have become professional beggars, so to speak, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we count on the donations and the sponsors to, to get us to that point. But right now, like I say, we just partner with several other um, 
people in places in order to get that individual what they need. We even partner with other domestic violence um, foundations and organizations Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. We aren't able to always partner with them. Um, A lot of them are full or, um, you know, COVID kind of knocked out a lot of that. We had a young lady come in in from California that reached out to us earlier this year, and we weren't able to get her placed because everyone was scared of COVID. You know, um, they needed her to be quarantined for 14 uh, days in order to get her place. So that that was a really low place for us. I, I hate having to turn anyone away. But eventually, like I said, end goal, we want a facility. We want to be able to house up to 25 residents. We want to have an in-house career center, in-house job placement. We want to help with transportation, child care, education, whatever your needs are. We even have a counselor on our board, um, which will head our counseling center. So we want to to be able to have all of that under one roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And, and I'm sure that, you know, as you were mapping all of these things out, like I said, since you live this, you know the different things that, that, that ladies w- would need. You know, Kendra, I read a line on your Facebook page that says um, domestic violence doesn't always look like bumps and bruises. And so that leads me to believe that some women or men may not be aware that they are a victim of domestic of domestic violence so or domestic abuse how what what should people is is there a formula that people should follow is there a checklist that people you know if you you're experiencing this then yes you're a victim of domestic violence? How, how can people tell that they are a victim? So in honor of domestic National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is right now in the month of October, that is exactly what we're doing. We are laying out um, informational banners that is giving you all of the tools, it, literally all of the words, all of the checklists that you need to be able to um, differentiate whether or not you're being abused. Um, We had a conference this past Saturday that spoke to exactly that. And we had a a young lady, which is a phenomenal friend of mine. She gave her testimony because she is one that did not know she was being abused. And she was like, you know, I always thought abuse looked like black eyes, busted lips, broken bones, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And no, we have to let people know and get that awareness out there. No, you're not. You could be in a marriage. You can uh, be in a relationship. And if he is absolutely, if they're controlling everything and they're not allowing you to be an equal voice, you know, an equal contributor to that relationship, um, there are certain things in there that you red flags you need to start looking for. Um, we have just listed, if you follow our Facebook page, Uh, Financial abuse is an absolute thing. Basically, they take over all the finances. They don't give you control over anything. Or if you try to spend any money, it's a problem. You know, they're they're cursing you. They're yelling yelling at you. Or they're basically um, beating you down to where you wouldn't want to do anything when you wouldn't want to touch it anymore, right? And Mm -hmm. so in in a sense, that's now have taken over all of the control of the finances because they want to make sure you don't have any resources. They want to make sure they have all of the control over everything 
And so that leads to now you've, you've broken down. You don't want to touch it. You're like, okay, fine. You can do whatever you want. I won't touch the bank account. I won't spend any money. So Mm -hmm. now they have you under their thumb. Um, then the emotional abuse starts, the, the verbal, the mental, they're breaking you down mentally to where you're nothing. You know, they want to make sure you're broken down to a point to where you're not going to leave because you don't have the self worth, the self love, you know, you don't know who you are and what you're capable of because they have taken all of that power away from you. So if you are literally in a situation where you're so beaten down mentally, emotionally, and you feel like you're not worth anything and you won't be able to do anything outside of this person because they've taken all of your control from you, that's abuse. We even, um, she even spoke to um, sexual abuse in her marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a such thing. If they are taking all of the control from you sexually, that's abuse. If if you say no, but they're guilting you into saying yes, and there's no pleasure there, you're just being used for their pleasure, that's sexual abuse. So these are all things that we're laying out Uh, Week by week, sometimes day by day, letting people know that just because you're not suffering from bloody noses and, you know, busted lips and things like that, you you still need to start looking for these red flags because this is also considered abuse and it's hurting you. So, Mm -hmm. again, to what I said, love doesn't hurt. You need to be looking out for this because this is not the comfortability you want um, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. That that really does help and, and make it a whole lot clearer, you know, to 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 many of our listeners. So I, I appreciate that. And you going really going into depth in depth with that. I I also noticed that on your on your Facebook page, especially for the month of October, but there were some other ones, you have you've done some giveaways. And yes. so I was thinking if if you know we have some listeners that might want to participate in that, if they have a a business that they would want to participate in a giveaway, something that would help the the women that you are serving, how can they get involved with Wrath? Absolutely, please um, email us. Uh, we have two email addresses, but the one that I get to the quickest, uh, I'll give you both email address info at Wrath. I'm sorry at iamwrath.org. And then we have uh, I am Raz info at gmail dot com dot yeah that dot com. Mm-hmm. So um, all of that information is on our uh, Facebook page as well. Also on our website www.iamrath.org. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we always welcome anyone that wants to get involved and advocate for the cause. Um, we are doing giveaways during the month of October, and I actually decided to start the giveaways every month because we're trying to bring women out of the shadows, right? Yes. We want you to share your story. We want you to basically tell us what does women rising against the hurt look look like to you. Mm-hmm. So if you share your story 
um, we are giving away what we call blessing bags. Um, and they are either it's just a thank you for sharing your story or if uh, case by case basis, if we reach out to a young lady or a young lady reaches out to us rather, I'm sorry, um, and she has specific needs, we could add a little bit more to those bags, uh, just depending on what that need is for that individual. So um, if there are stores out there or restaurants out there that want to gift um, you know, maybe some gift cards or gift certificates or whatever. Uh, we would love that because any and every, every little thing helps when, with stuffing those blessing bags. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. I, I encourage everyone to go to uh, IamRath.org and get in contact with you. Um, everyone, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Go to LoveMinistriesBuilds.org for all of the great information about Love Ministries, or you can go to my website, CarlaNivens.com. Everyone remember that love doesn't hurt and that our Heavenly Father loves each and every one of you more than you can ever imagine. Everyone have a great week.